I love um, story form. The, um, I heard someone say once that, the, that facts, like points, like if we were to pull just out of scripture, this point, point one, two, and three, four, facts are viewed through the lens of a microscope, but stories are, are viewed from the lens of a soul. A guy named Caesar Kalinowski who actually... Um, kind of brought this story of God formed together and published it and kind of started getting it going. He said this, he said, stories address us on every level. They speak to the mind, to the body, emotions, the spirit, and will. In story, the person can identify with situations he or she has never been in. The individual's imagination is unlocked to dream what was previously unimaginable. And so that's our goal, that's our hope, um, that's our hope through this. And I, and I over-explain that because I'm a little nervous I want you to know that each one of these stories, every time we tell them, are laced, are, are not withdrawn from Scripture, but they are actually, they're hung on, on a clothesline of biblical theology. In fact, through the storyline, we're going to look at about 44 different uh, biblical doctrines throughout the whole storyline. And so the Scriptures are in your, in, your, in, your, um, in your bulletin as well. And so, so let's review a little bit. Let's go back. What have we learned so far? Someone tell me, what have we learned so far? the last couple weeks, about God specifically? Anything? That God is love, what else? That God is good, always, right? That he's, he is the creator, so he's all powerful. He's spoken, it was. Does that mean, I know those of you who are parents, you speak and it is, right? Um, continue. What else? That he has always been there. What else? What did we learn about uh, creation? That's kind of a vague question. (laughs) That it was intentional, it was purposeful. You remember, so in the first, go ahead. That we are created, that human, mankind is made in the image of God. What else? That he, we were created with a desire for relationship. And when we were created, we were actually in relationship, right? Actually perfect relationship. There was nothing. There was no tension. There was no struggle. There was no seeking to find him. What else? That he put us in dominion. In stewards of his earth to, to rule over. That's how we were created. And, and honestly, that's one explanation to how we were created in his image. Our bodies weren't in his image. I mean, some of us were, but <laughs> that's, that's so terrible. Um, but we were, we were created in his image. Our souls were, not our body, our souls. And part of it is the authority that he created us in. Um, and and that's, that's part of that. So God was a being before all things. He was love. He was pure, good, perfect, holy. We learn in the first story, they laid the cornerstone of the earth and the angels were already there and, and they rejoiced. So his first creation were the angels. But one guy, remember a guy named Lucifer, he was jealous of that. Lucifer, um, his desire then was like, he was jealous. He said, well, I wanna be like God. I wanna place myself. And so he led a rebellion of a third of all the angels. And, and when that happened, God, that was separation. That, that rebellion was called sin. And it created a separation from God, holiness, his holiness. And so he was cast in the earth. That was formless at that time, right? And he changed his name to Satan, which means adversary. And then we know that creation went on. God created humans in his image. 
And it's interesting as the language changed from let there be to let us make. Something very personal. And it's also interesting that he literally created mankind. Everything else was made in couples, but he created mankind individually, but then birthed it out of one another. We were born in community. Um, and their identity, their identity was marked by a perfect relationship with God. That's who they were. They walked with him. There was a sense of peace. There was no insecurity. They walked around completely naked before God and not insecure. They were in perfect union for God. And God said, this is good, which means that it is as it should be, Right? This is what we learned so far. And so he put them in this garden, which was this example of this perfect community. And he said, he created two trees, the tree of life. And he said, I want to give you this tree of life. And then there's this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that word knowledge means a, kind of an awareness, aware of good and evil. And he said, just don't mess with that tree. You don't need it, I promise you. And uh, so everything was perfect. And uh, that's where we pick up today. One day, the serpent, the most clever of all the animals in the garden, came to the woman, and he asked Eve, did God really say you must not eat any of the fruit in this garden? And Eve told him, no, we can eat from any tree in the garden. It's only the tree of knowledge of good and evil that we're not allowed to eat from, or even touch, or we will die. And the serpent said to her, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You will become just like God knowing everything, both good and evil. And when Eve saw how good and delicious the fruit looked and that it would make her wise, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to Adam, her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. They chose not to believe God and instead to believe the lie. And instantly their eyes were open and they became filled with shame and fear and they strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover their nakedness. Toward evening, they heard God walking about the garden, so they hid themselves among the trees. And God called to them, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you coming, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God answered, why are you ashamed of being naked? Did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? And Adam blamed Eve, saying, it was the woman you gave me. She gave me some. And then God said to Eve, how could you do this? And then Eve blamed the serpent saying, the serpent tricked me into eating the fruit. So God said to the snake, because you've done this, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. You will be the enemy of the woman and her children. You will bite his heel, but he will crush your head. God's heart was broken because of their disobedience, but he could not ignore what they've done. God always does what is good, right, and perfect, and his perfect justice required that there will be consequences for this rebellion. So God punished Adam and Eve by throwing them out of the garden outside of his care and protection. No longer following God's way, they were now subject to sickness and pain and death. And God continued to love Adam and Eve. He even created clothing for them out of animal skin so they would not be ashamed outside of the garden. So that's where we end our story today. They were banished from the garden Um, after choosing to do something. As we read that story, what are some of the things that kind of maybe pop out in your mind specifically related to uh, their temptation or Adam and Eve's choice 
to eat of that specific apple. Or maybe of, of the serpent who was, represent, who was who? Who was Satan. What stands out about this choice or this decision, this temptation um, to you? And it started out of doubt. Doubt, doubt of what? Was it? Was it doubt of God's word? You remember the story? When Satan came, or when the snake came to him, and he said, you should eat this, and she said, no, I shouldn't. What did he say, do you remember? Did God really say that? He's exactly right. What else? Lack of faith in what? In the word. And what did the word promise that they had lacked faith in? Anyone? That they would live, that they would have harmony, that they could believe that God would do what he was going to do. What else about that they would have faith in the word of what? That what, what would they have faith in? In God himself? Absolutely. Isn't it interesting that they were in perfect relationship with God and it still wasn't enough? That there was just something there that they just still wanted more? Yeah. Yeah. So the fall happened and there was a natural fruit. Something happened immediately when this sin came into the world. The first thing was what? What, was, or what were some of the things that happened? When the sin came in, what followed it? Shame. Instantly, right? Shame. Fear. Guilt. What was it? Blame. Isn't that interesting? How much blame is going on there? I was reading over this scripture again this morning, and uh, I was just thinking about, first of all, that shame. That's exactly what I wrote down, that shame and how shame creates Shame itself creates separation, doesn't it? Whether it's emotional or physical or whatever, when we feel shame before someone, do you ever want to be, you just don't want to be there anymore. Do you? You don't want to be in a room with someone you've wronged or that you're, you're just, there's something there, right? They under, at that moment that they literally saw that, that they were naked, they were, ash- that's how God knew, you know, well, God knew because he was God, but he, he asked this semi-rhetorical question of, hey, did you eat, wait a minute, you're naked, how'd you know you were naked? Well, because it's chilly, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but then also blame. What is blame? When we're blaming someone, what are we doing? We're justifying. We're what? Shifting guilt. So we are in denial, aren't we? We're denying that it's our fault. We're denying that we have any uh, role. We're denying ownership. That's what's going on there. They deny. They were like, well, it's not my fault. It's that snake you created, you know? You ever do that? I don't. <laughs> That's what's interesting to me because they're denying ownership. They're blaming, right? They're denying ownership in this sin, even before God, when they know God saw and knows. They know they did the only thing right. They didn't, they're denying ownership. And, and yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when you think about confessing sin, you, you know what? The, the word confess just 
means to say the same thing as. So confess sin is owning it. Isn't that interesting? It's exactly your... What else, what else stood out about Adam and Eve, their decision, their temptation, their choice? They weren't trusting in God's word. Instead, they were trusting what? What? It, say it. It's kind of a pride thing that they knew better. Mm-hmm. So, so when we, when we, when God says, "Here's a way," say, uh, oh, guys, okay. So I created God created the earth. Here's how I set things in motion. I know, I know how to manage evil and good. I know how to do this. So here's what I do. Just don't do that. Just enjoy life with me. Here's the way. And when we and and here they are going. I know you said all that, and I know you know that. But instead, I'm going to choose self. So it's prideful to think that I know better than God does. But then I'm going to choose my. I'm going to choose self because I can manage this God better than you can. Yeah, you are brilliant. No, you are. That was good. And it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Doesn't this seem ridiculous? If we tr- I have a friend that says we don't believe the gospel because, or we don't live the gospel because we don't believe the gospel. And you kind of back up, well, what is it? Well, the, if we truly believe something, we would, it's crazy that they walked with God and yet still did this. Go ahead. Right. So what is that? So what is, what is that? You're broken. Are anybody else identify with that? She says, Isn't it cra- it's not crazy because when I'm told not to do something, I instantly want to do that. So what does that say about you? That you're the one broken person in this room? No, that means, no, it means that, that humanity under Adam is now broken. Right? This is what we're saying. That's a good question. Tell me. Why would they want to eat that? So evil was there, and that's why he said, here's a tree. There's an awareness and knowledge of good and evil. So this is here. Just stay away from this, and everything's good. I'm under, you're under my protection. You're under all this stuff. But evil was present. Curiosity. Being Wanting to be more like God. That's ultimately what it is, right? That I'm in control. I'm in this authority. I can do... I can do this thing. And it's funny because evil would not be there if what? Yeah, if God would have, but what if God would have handled Satan, Lucifer at the time differently? What if he would have just said, you know what, done with you. <laughs> not just down to earth, but you're done. But that was his first, that was the first really expression of grace that we see. That he allowed sin to create separation. Not just the end it's that it's the same grace that then we end up uh, experiencing. Let's think about the temptation. It's interesting. I, I see, you see this, and, and I don't have to go to the story where Jesus was tempted because this hasn't happened yet. But it's the exact same way Satan tempts Eve that he tempted Jesus. I don't know if you know this. He quest, first of all, he questions his word. Did God really say that? 
And Jesus comes, I can't do this. There's a st- I wonder if there was a story in the future <laughs> where Jesus was tempted. This guy named Jesus. And, um, and, and he, anyways, go read that story. He questions God's word. He questions God's provision. You can jump off this cliff when he sent the angels to save you. And he challenges his authority. I, look at all this. I'll give you all of this. God, he, no, God just doesn't want you to be like him. What are your thoughts back here? So what is, how's that, you're connecting that to, did he say don't touch it? Yeah. What, why would that matter in your mind? If he said doesn't, don't eat it. He didn't say don't touch it. He, what did he say? Actually, scripture does say don't touch it. Yeah. Just so. But that's good. I think actually touching is interesting because sin is an interesting thing, isn't it? We think probably our nature side, if, if sin is across that edge, a lot of us are trying to figure out how we can get as close to the edge without falling off, right? Touching it or eating it or there's different levels of involvement here. But it seems, it seems as if there's this, this way that God created us in which we are so separated from that, it's not even on... There's just, we're just enjoying this complete peace with God, and why would we ever want to even go there? Um, so that's interesting. You, what you do bring out is the different levels of temptation as, you know, our proximity to sin, and why would we want to be um, e- even close in that regard? Yeah, I'm going to bring you in on this. I think this shows you, I think the story said that the serpent was as crafty as, any, as anything, right? I think the serpent knew exactly what he was doing. I think, who knows? Who knows how that story goes, but it just seems to me like Adam is so much more likely to take it from this beautiful woman that he loves than he would the serpent. Um, it is interesting, but they were, how they had the desire to be together, whether it was good or bad or whatever that may be. But what was the ultimate? I think we said it. What do you think of all the temptations and all the things that we do? What is the most important or significant thing that happened here? As far as what their t- real temptation was, what was the biggest thing, the most, do you think of all the things we said was the most important thing, that, the biggest temptation? To be like God. To be like God. Be yeah. You guys agree with that? And what does it require of us, or our thought, to to want to be like God, or to do that? What are we, um, what are we choosing? We're choosing self. So I I think some of the biggest parts of the story. One is that at the beginning, the, the 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 greatest temptation at the beginning is to choose self apart from relationship with God. Right. 
And I think the other one is to think that we are more equipped, actually, to manage good and evil, right and wrong, in our own life than God is, making ourselves above God, which was really no better than what Satan did. So this is the fall, right? This is what we... Hold on just one second. You say that has a lot to do about discontentment because... Yeah. 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 Content. It's never enough. There's always a presence there because now we know we are born into under the, under Adam. Well, now we know we see good. We see good and evil. We are aware of good and evil, but we don't have the ability to choose right. We don't manage it as well as God does. That's what we've learned, which is no surprise to any of us. You know. So so. Um, Running out of time, so let's think through where we want to go. So, yeah. The thing that is interesting to me too is that the serpent doesn't just lie, lie, lie. He works in pieces of truth. Right. Along with the lie. Yeah, he manipulates truth. When he says that your eyes will be open and there's some good and evil. It's true. Did you guys hear that? Satan actually used truth against him. You're, when you eat, he knows your eyes will be open to good and evil. It's like, well, yeah, God said that. But he, recat, he, he re-presented it, you know, he reframed it. Were you continuing, Andrew? Was that? No, because I think that's what happened to us. Yeah. So that's what happens to us, he said. Because if this is true and that's true, then I could just do that, right? We pretend the other stuff doesn't exist. I hope, I mean, I can't read this or talk about this without thinking of the parallels between me. In my tip, I hope that's what, you know, you're doing. Um, so what was God's response to Adam after he disobeyed? He asked him a question, right? He said, where are you? What does that point out that he asked, where, that God didn't know where he was? What was the point of that question? So I called it semi-rhetorical. What was the point of that question? Yeah. I think that's good. I think he was seeking him out. What else? Maybe he's steering him towards confession. By the way, these are two I didn't think of, and I think you're right. <laughs> so he's already, we learn from that. God is already seeking him, going, moving towards him. That is amazing. If you just stop and think about that. He's already moving towards him. He's already calling, he's calling him out, right? He's already, so he's seeking confession for what? For their sin, which made them, what was the consequences of sin? It's separation. So where are you? Where are you? Where where are you supposed to be? Where are you? You're hiding, right? So it exposed this consequence, right? Um, What do we learn about God as we're continuing? Let's close with these thoughts. What do we learn about God from this story. Anything new or anything we're reminded about God specifically from this story? Yeah. She's, she's saying that God already knew what was going to happen, and yet there's this paraphrase, this strange relationship between us still choosing that, yet God knowing. And this, that's, that's the crazy, this is what we're going to come back to over and over and over. How do we reconcile our ability to choose 
and God's sovereignty. I like the word providence, his directing and his guiding. But we're going to wrestle with that a lot. And we're not going to give that away yet. But there's some tension. We're learning. God knew what was going on. He knew. Yes. I don't know. Why, why, would you, why would you think that, well, we're not ahead, but we do know that he's not, right? Why? Why would you guys think he's not? She asked, why would mankind be redeemed and Lucifer not redeemed? Speak up, I can't hear you. Ooh. So... I like that. You said he won't confess. We don't know this. I can't help but think that there's something related to he's not human. There's a different set of rules that I think we're going we're gonna to understand one day. Ooh, that's good. I'm not telling you. you next week, if you guys sit really close, he said he was not made in God's image. That was good. I'd like to study that a little bit more. That's a fantastic question. Um, yeah. I think, it hi- I think it definitely highlights the difference between the angels and between creation of the earth and man and our efforts, I think there are some similarities that we learn. Um, I think it's funny that most of us never really heard the story prior to God created man and the earth and all that. We don't even talk about the fall of Lucifer. That's in Job and is in Psalms and is in some of the other scriptures. And so it's good for us to wrestle with these things. What do we learn about God in this story? One, he seems to know all things. I think two, we remind that God will never allow evil to remain in his presence. That's just what happens. If you are just, it's not justice to allow it, which requires some kind of intercession. I hope in this story that happens somewhere, right? I think another thing is that he keeps his, he keeps his promise. It, he, the writer of this wrote, although they did not die immediately, Adam and Eve's nature was changed. So God would not allow them to take from the tree of life now. Also, he reminded Adam that he would return to the dust. But I, the thing that just keeps freaking me out is that he, God is the source of all grace. He warned them in advance. And even, even in the symbolism, when he sent them away, he made clothing for them to send them away to cover their shame. Isn't that awesome? Let's pray together.